thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Flourish with Elise Comerford, where we hear real stories from everyday people that will encourage and inspire you on your own health journey. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode. Today, we have another one of my clients, and her name is Amanda, and she is going to tell us all about her journey today with GAPS. Hi, Amanda. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for coming and chatting with me today. Uh, That's good. No, it's exciting to be able to share um, my family's story. Yeah, I'm so grateful for everyone that does come on and share their story, and I just... I just know it excites me how much this can help people because I know that on my journey, I would love to have been listening to other people's stories and really hearing how how they got through it all. So we will get straight into it and we want to know, Amanda, what led you guys to doing GAPS? Um, So what kind of issues were you dealing with? Where was your family at? Um, and what kind of drove that decision in finally deciding that that was the path you needed to go down? Yeah, well, I guess um, I'd known about the GAPS diet for a little while and um, I thought it seemed extreme and um, too hard and all the things that you, when you read about it, you go, how, how would I incorporate that into my daily life? Um, and my, especially um, kids and um, school-age kids, um, being sociable with their friends and things like that. And I thought, oh, no, it's just not doable. Um, And so I had it in the back of my head for quite a long time, knowing that um, my daughter, my eldest daughter, um, who would have been, oh, six, I think, around about that time. Um, No, no, seven, sorry, seven. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That she suffered from a lot of anxiety and food intolerances, um, and generally just not not that she was hugely ill, but that there were definitely um, places that she could improve. And um, I would say her. that 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 what you just said there can be a bit of a barrier for a lot of people. I get people kind of saying that they're sitting on the fence a little bit, they're not really sure because um, you know, gap seems so extreme and we're just not that, you know, we're not that sick. We're not sick like some of the stories we've heard. So I've found that that can sometimes put people off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely found that because we weren't, you know, we don't have children with ASD and um, lots of the stories I read about GAPS were relating to um, children with autism and families going on that healing journey for that. And we weren't quite there, but we weren't great either and there were issues that were coming up on a daily basis and, um, it, it just seemed unnatural to me for a, a child of that age to have to suffer so much with anxiety yeah. as well. But um, I guess then, um, so I had it in the back of my head, and we just kind of pushed on. We were already gluten free. Um, the kids were—I was always gluten free. The kids were mostly gluten free, but if they went to a party or they out with friends, they had gluten there, and I, you know, just let that go. Um, they were both dairy free. Um, for most of their lives um so it it wasn't a huge leap to make um but uh, then uh about i reckon it was about nine months before we started gaps i started having some health issues of my own um when we were uh, trying to have our third baby um and i had some issues with taking methylfolate that um messed 
with my body completely and um, ended up with um, heart palpitations and breathing difficulties and, um, you know, not being able to do very much at all, um, having trouble even walking my kids into school to drop them off. And um, I guess I kind of put up with that for about six months and then um, had a chat with Elise uh, and I wasn't sure that GAPS was the answer to that problem. Um, and, yeah, she gave me some examples and kind of made sense of my situation about what had happened within my own body um, for that all those symptoms to occur. Um, and so, yeah, so then we decided to kind of slowly start making some changes, um, but we wanted to wait until the Christmas holidays. So that, that was um, so it's a good time. was really successful for us was waiting until we had that big period where yeah. everyone was off school. Um, I had three weeks off work. My husband had three weeks off of work so we could cope with the cooking <laughs> um, and just we could get through Christmas. We started on Boxing Day, which I think a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, so that was um, how we got started. Yeah, um, and so you talked about... But I guess about... even going back further than that, like as as a child I'd had a lot of antibiotics and illnesses and um, so I, it all kind of led to that point and did have quite a bit of gut healing to do as it turned out. Yeah, yeah. And so you talked a bit about your eldest daughter and her anxiety. What about the younger daughter? What issues was she Oh, doing? sorry. Yeah, so Skylar, um, my younger daughter, um, had less issues with anxiety and um, social-emotional problems but more issues with her immune system. Mm-hmm. So even as a baby she got a lot of colds um, and they would take three weeks to go away She'd started to develop asthma um, and, yeah, so for her it was more an immune um, issue and eczema. She had had a bit of eczema as well. Um, So we were really looking to get her well enough that she could actually go to kindy um, and be there more than one day a month, which is what happened with childcare before we pulled her out and went, this just isn't worth it. Um, and I hear so, that a lot with GAPS kids that are like, we try and send them to childcare, they go one day, they come home sick, then we can't send them for a month, and then they go again, and then they're sick again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, I, I think we had her enrolled for six months when she was about two years old, and I reckon she went for about eight days of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was kind of where we started from. And my husband came along for the ride as well. He, um, he, he dabbles in gaps, I think we'd say. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we need, a bit of dabbling and, a, and supportive, <laughs> you know, that's enough. And that's what I find that a lot of husbands are in that position. They're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll support what you're doing and I'll follow it along at home, but I'm going to eat what I want when I'm out. <laughs> yeah. He does do a lot of cooking and he's learnt to cook a lot, so that's oh, very good. helpful. So. <laughs> that's good. You're one of the lucky ones. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so tell us a bit about starting GAP. So you started intro on Boxing Day. So Christmas Day, you all had a lot of fun there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is um, it, kids. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we started to introduce soups by then yeah. um, and broths and uh, all stocks, I should say. Yeah. Um, and so we'd got to the point we'd worked up. So I think we can't now, if I recall correctly, because it was two years ago now. And uh, we yeah. did, on Elisa's recommendation, we did um, – one week we started to introduce one meal of soup a day. Then yeah. the next week it was two meals. The third week it was three meals. And yeah. by the fourth week, or the fourth week was the week before Christmas. So that was a bit hit and miss. 
but so we we've nearly kind of removed everything before we started anyway yeah it's um, just a nice way of leading in that by the you know the third week of doing it you're having three meals of stocks but still bits and pieces in between that so it's kind of not stage one but it's gearing you up and getting that healing happening so that stage when you do get into intro it's a bit easier and getting the kids used to the food so lots yeah. of the complaining was already done yeah <laughs> yeah um and then yeah so boxing day we um plunged into stage one um and i think we did well the three of us did uh three or four days stage one and our eldest daughter india um did a bit longer um she got quite sick um there was vomiting um i do remember that she was through the night wasn't she yeah Yeah, she was really flat got really thin um yeah and so that that was quite scary really and um there was sort of guilt involved about that that you know as a mum I've done this to my child I've you know I've put her through this and she's so unwell um but yeah it was quite temporary so I think it was about two or three days that she was really unwell um but she got through it and then she started to pick up an energy quite quickly um probably still through the first five weeks or so, she was a bit more lethargic than normal um, and it took her a little while to get the weight back. She's a fairly skinny kid anyway, um, but she's, yeah, she's looking a lot healthier now. Um, and uh, my second daughter, Skylar, she she did something, well, she kind of had that moment too, but it was very quick. So yeah. she didn't she didn't vomit at all, but... I think on day three she woke up um, at a normal time, about 7 o'clock, and then felt really tired, fell asleep on the floor in our lounge room suddenly at 9 o'clock, which was unheard of for her. Woke up half an hour later and was like this new child. So that was so amazing to watch and she hasn't looked back. Yeah, so she was, was a really, really amazing mum. Yeah. Um, so um, my own healing was just, uh, you know, I felt really tired and groggy for the first few weeks and um, amidst, you know, all the cooking and trying to make it happen, I think um, it, that was quite, you know, stressful and um, often quite having um, st- uh, doing starting the intro diet at, to having a newborn and now I have both. Gaps and a newborn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so tell us a bit about that process of intro and and how long it took you to start to see some changes in the girls and what those changes were as you were going through. Sure. Well, um, India, my eldest, I would say two weeks in, um, we started to see a lot of changes with the anxiety. It pretty much just disappeared overnight. Um, We had, so I should say also, we had a lot of trouble with histamines in that first period. Um, uh, we've always kind of been fairly histamine sensitive. Um, things like tomatoes and um, eggs uh, have always been an issue for one or other of the family members. Um, and so, yeah, but um, quickly realised that that was all. The anxiety was very histamine related. Um, and yeah, with her, I mean, the histamine issues continued for um, a good six months or so. Yeah. But that, so they were something that symptom of anxiety went away really quickly Uh, and also she was going to the the toilet like every 10 minutes or so without much outcome um 
and that had been going on since she was about four, I think, so for a good couple of years. Um, and that went pretty much overnight at the same time too as the anxiety went, that disappeared as well. Um, and so myself, my husband and um, my youngest daughter worked our way through intro fairly quickly, sort of doing, um, not, not rushing it, but um, doing a week on each stage without having too much trouble at all and moving to the next stage. I got a bit stuck myself at stage four with roast meats. That, that took a little while for yeah. me. I was getting lots of stomach pain and yeah. um, even uh, honey was a like anything with too much honey would, would give me um, some stomach cramps. Um, and then so I just kind of pulled back for a week or so and tried it again. And then, yeah, a few weeks later it was fine. So just had to be a bit patient with those things. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, my youngest daughter, Skylar, kind of just zoomed through it. She was fine. Um, but India took... Uh, a good while she got stuck on a long time for a long time on stage five um and fruit was the thing that that she really took a long time to be able to tolerate and still um anytime she gets a tummy ache it's always because she's had too much sweet food yeah um she does still have a bit of a sweet tooth so um that can be tricky at times um so for her she found it really um difficult because everyone else was on full gaps and she did probably another five months on intro, um, pretty much on stage five with a few extra savoury items added in, um, but steering clear of uh, the fruit and um, uh, limiting the nuts. Um, So, yeah, she found that quite challenging and particularly at school where fruit is really kind of enforced as healthy eating and, um, yeah, so that that was difficult. Yeah, it's hard for them to understand, isn't it, when we're trying to say, no, you can't have fruit. They're like, but it's a healthy food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think um, she, at the time that it was happening, she was, she was really good. She never um, tried to sneak food. That is not, that's not really in her personality anyway. But um, she, she pushed through, but I think, she she could understand the science behind it um, and we always talked quite openly with her about why and how and all that kind of thing. Uh, and she also, I think, could feel the difference as well and she would have talked about that a bit more at that time that she didn't feel anxious and that she, um, she felt better in herself. But now two years on, she has forgotten where she started. So it's interesting because I should have had her write it down beforehand how she felt and um, the changes that she'd noticed because now she just assumes that she'd always been that well. <laughs> and when she gets a tummy ache now, she's like, oh, I've got a tummy ache. And we have to remind her that she used to get tummy aches, like pre-gaps, pre-intro, all the time. She would be like every five minutes she'd say, Mummy, I've got a tummy ache on a daily basis that she doesn't have anymore. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good one and that's one I'll tell my clients now that it's a really good point for young children. Even if you video them saying it or get them to write it down or have some kind of journaling of how they're feeling so that you can show them in in like a year or so's time because they do forget. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, it's a really good point. So when you guys were starting intro, what did you say to the kids? How did you prepare them for starting intro and what they'd be doing? Um, 
Oh, I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> it was a while ago. I think they'd known about the GAPS diet too. So um, Skylar was coming up, was she three? She was three, nearly four. So she was three turning four. So she just, she really hadn't been introduced to much um, food that wasn't particularly GAPS um, besides, you know, the fruit that had to change. Um, India, it was a bit more of a change, and but she'd listened to some of, Isaac Whitten's um, podcasts, and she was quite taken by him. So, you know, if it was good enough for Isaac, it was good enough for him. Yeah. So for those who don't know who Isaac is, he's Joe Whitten from Quirky Cooking Son who has, has a, really, um, a really awesome story of recovering from anxiety and lots of issues with gaps. Yeah, so she, yeah, so she loved watching um, him talk and his recipes and things. Um so she knew all about it and she'd listened to a few of Joe's podcasts and, um, yeah, so she understood and she understood why and um, because I think she's quite reasonably scientifically minded, that intr- intrigued her, I think. Um, but that said, she wasn't happy about doing it at all. <laughs> I won't sugarcoat that. It wasn't um, completely, um, yeah, like she was compliant and ready and happy to try this out. Um, she kind of fought me every step of the way, but still did it, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she kind of, I guess she had a level of acceptance that we were going to do it and this was how it was going to be. But, um, yeah, she she still wanted her say about it, yeah, which is fair enough. Yeah. And so tell us a bit about the changes you, you guys saw um, towards the end of intro. So once you've kind of been through an intro, and I know India was on intro for a bit longer, um, what yep. kind of changes had you started to see by that stage? Um, different for all of us. So as I said, Skylar had just like woken that morning after her half-hour kip in the middle of the lounge room floor and was great. And um, the changes, we've, we've never had an episode of asthma since we started with her. Um her immune system, She the first year we were on GAPS, um, the first year she was great, um, a huge reduction in the number of colds she had and definitely um, the duration of colds had gone from a standard one being three weeks to being maybe 10 days um, and that's continued. Um, this year she's had a few more colds but she's in a, a, a bigger, she's got more kids that she interacts with now, but now that she's at preschool. So I think that's increased a bit, um, but she's still still the duration of the colds is like ten days and not very 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 mild. So that's a huge improvement from where she was at. Um, India, she so six months on. She well, as I said, the anxiety had gone, and just we just noticed things gradually with her. So she'd gotten to full gaps. Um, we were still really restricting the fruit to uh, maybe two or three times a week. Um, and then slowly over that second six month period, we started to increase the frequency of fruit as she felt she could tolerate it. And she has this, uh, I was saying to Elise last time we chatted, um, she has this uncanny thing where she, she, well, she thinks she can tell what food has caused her tummy ache if she could have eaten five foods and she seems able to identify which food it is that's causing her 
tummy aches. So, um, and she could, she could always say, oh, no, that's a banana tummy ache. Not a, it's not a strawberry tummy ache. It's a banana tummy ache. <laughs> so we kind of went with that and um, just followed kind of, I guess, what her body was telling her uh, and just started with, um, you know, it's berries, increasing berries rather than apples and bananas, which are higher in sugar. And, um, yeah, just slowly over that six-month period, we found that we were able to increase to about one piece of fruit a day. Um, and then over the second year, um, now, you know, our usual is to have one piece of fruit a day and occasionally it's a bit more and she seems to be able to tolerate that. Um, for my own health, um, I struggled a lot with histamines um, over that um, period of time and, uh, and so I was doing two litres of broth, of, of sorry, meat stock a day for probably about six months. Um, and by probably, so we started, yeah, Boxing Day. And around about August, I started to notice that most of the heart palpitation symptoms had gone um, and that um, my breathing was starting to be pretty normal. Um, most of the time, every now and again, um, it would flare up, but it was pretty much um, back to normal. Um, and, you know, even joint pain and things that I'd had had cleared up. So that was pretty amazing in, you know, eight, nine months. Um, and then I found I was pregnant the next month, so <laughs> <laughs> just when my body had healed. So, um, you know, we'd been putting that off and putting that off because I wasn't well enough. And then suddenly as soon as my body was well enough we were pregnant so and had our third baby <laughs> and so how was your pregnancy um yeah well I was really ill with my first two pregnancies with lots of nausea that continued throughout the pregnancy I mean, not to the degree that I was hospitalized or anything or um but just you know enough to be a little bit debilitating and on the couch a lot and not able to function normally um and yeah, and um, my third pregnancy was actually um, my best pregnancy. So I, I I got a little bit of nausea, but nothing like what I'd had um, with the first two pregnancies. Um, I wasn't as tired. Um, yeah, just generally felt a whole lot better. Amazing! And yeah. so, tell us about your new little bubba. Oh, he's gorgeous. <laughs> um, so we have we have a little boy now in our family. Um, his name's Kieran. Uh, he's four months old this week. Uh, and yeah, he's so he's um, he's yeah he's really a picture of health. So he was actually my first head down baby because my girls had both been breached. Yeah. So that, that was different. I had a nice, easy, um, natural birth with him. Um, yeah. So. Uh, and quick, <laughs> yeah. um, and I recovered really well. So with my girls after they'd been born, I had a lot of problem um, with back issues and um, just you know hormones going a bit crazy. Uh, and yeah, this time round, I was pretty much back on my feet. Very little back pain. Um, so, yeah, just the inflammation levels are a whole lot better, I think. Um, didn't have any pain relief, didn't need as much as a Panadol after birth. So, um, yeah, which much to the disgust of the midwives, I think. <laughs> they kept coming in and saying, you've just given birth to another human. You are allowed to have some pain relief. <laughs> um, but, 
yeah, I didn't feel like I needed it and, um, yeah, recovered really well. And, yeah, he's been very healthy um, other than a little bit of reflux, which all my kids have had, um, which is resolved with osteopathy. Um, yeah, we haven't had any issues. His skin's beautiful, um, no sign of eczema as yet. Um, he, he's got a bit of cradle cap, but that's that's about it so far. And uh, we haven't started him on food yet, so it'll be interesting to see what happens when we go down that path. Um, so I have to start cooking my broth without salt soon and yeah. <laughs> get some of that in the freezer. Yeah, perfect. Um, but, yeah, no, he's quite the picture of health so far. And... Um, growing a lot quicker than my girls did. And I, I, I read somewhere someone said something about um, post-gaps babies having slightly larger skulls, and he's definitely got that happening. So, yeah, 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 that is a good one. That's a baby that's, been, that's had lots of fat in the womb and they've yeah. got a nice, healthy, big skull. Um, okay, so tell us now where you guys are at on your gaps journey now. Well, we're starting to think about transitioning off the GAPS diet now. We feel like we've we've done the hard work and um, we're at a point where we're tolerating most things. We did, I should say too, we did introduce potatoes while I was pregnant because I just could not get enough carbs. Yeah. <laughs> so that was something we'd already done probably, oh, it's probably about the one-year mark we introduced potato yeah. and um, I was only just planning to introduce it for myself but uh, as it goes, when you're eating things that <laughs> others aren't allowed to have, they all want to have a bit of a try. That's so it. I did let them try and um, all was fine. So we continued to keep the potatoes in. Um, we don't we don't have them that often, but, um, yeah, it's nice to have something that's, um, you know, a baked potato that's easy yeah. to throw in the oven and yeah. you don't have to do much to <laughs> now and again. Um, so... Um, we're, we're at, so we're at the stage now where we're uh, preparing to introduce a little bit of quinoa and maybe buckwheat. Um, and it, I've found that um, because I have a newborn and time's a bit short that it's actually easier to stay on the GAPS diet than it is to transition yeah. at the moment. <laughs> so progress on that has been very slow. Um, I've looked at how to ferment the grains and I haven't actually done it yet, but that, <laughs> that's something we'll do over the next couple of months and just yeah. try one at a time. Um, we're a bit, I'm a bit iffy about whether we'll try sourdough or keep the gluten out entirely. Um, the girls are pretty keen to try it and um, the thing they're really looking forward to getting back is rice. Yeah. So um, previously both of them really loved Thai food um so yeah we that's where they want to get to yeah <laughs> um, so you can make buckwheat sourdough oh can you yes you one that? of my clients makes it i'll have to find out from her how she does it <laughs> oh right that'd be great yeah yeah yeah, yeah so so that's where we're at so we're, we're doing a very slow transition of gaps um mostly due to circumstances um uh but yeah i think um knowing that we can for the kids is really keeping them going that um, we can be a bit more lenient. And we've started to be a little bit more lenient if they go out with friends or if they go to parties that we um, are allowing them to have some of the foods that aren't too far um, away from gaps. We're just kind of rolling with it and giving them a good detox bath when they get home. Yeah, and I (laughs) Um, think that's an important one for people to really get because, 
you can get very stuck in gaps and it can get very, especially if there's been a lot of issues and you've seen food heal it, it can be very scary thinking of other foods. But um, I think it's good to, um, to know that there is an end in sight with gaps. It's, you don't have to keep doing it forever. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I think the kids have sort of determined this end point of when we finish gaps I'll be able to eat lollies and whatever. And I've told all my friends that, you know, next year I can eat all the lollies and the cupcakes and whatever that they have at school. So there's been a bit of um, an education process about, well, it's not quite like that, but it's not, um, you know, it's a much slower process than what you're imagining, but we will kind of get to a stage where you could do that on occasions yeah. and just yourself when you're going to do that and when you need to pull back again. So. Yeah. Yeah. Handing over the reins a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. And I think it's important for still having a healthy relationship with food that we're kind of seeing and it's allowing the kids to see from them, for themselves too that, you know, one day they probably will eat too many lollies and then feel sick and then go, ah, you know, and make that connection themselves. Yeah, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I always say to the parents that I work with that, one day, no matter what, because I always think that too with my son, that he's going to be seven, you know, 16, 17 out with his friends and be the one that eats all the crap because I've never been able to, I never give it to him. Um, but one thing I do, I do know from my own experience that what you're teaching them now, at some point, even when you do go through that stage in your late teen years, your early 20s, where you might not care so much about food and eat all the crap, um, you do get to a point where you want to be healthy again. Everyone gets to that point where they want to be healthy and now yeah. our kids are going to know how to do it. They're not going to have to wonder. They're not going to have to figure it out. We've taught them how to be healthy and they've had a really good foundation of it, so it's like they're going to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but in a way at some point they do have to discover that for themselves. Yeah. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And come back around to it. Great. Well, thanks so much for sharing your journey with us, Amanda. So, if for someone that's sitting there that's on the fence a little bit about gaps and wondering if um, if it's, you know, manageable for their family, if it's something that they can do, what would be some advice you could give them? Um, I think just, well, I'll take the plunge because I, I think definitely thinking about it, um, I know I'm kind of analytical and thinking about it for me was worse than starting. So the the how will I make this work? How will I do that? I found that more stressful than actually just doing it. Yeah, great. Cool. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me today and I'm sure I will chat with you again soon and I'll see or speak to everyone else in the next podcast. Bye. Please see you. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.